Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting exit plan with no spaces to 44222. That's exit plan to 44222. Again, text exit plan to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Welcome, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me once again today. I have a very special guest today. I want to uh, introduce you to Harry Barth. He's been on our show before and has been a sponsor in the past, very involved with the show. A very interesting uh, person. Uh, Harry is a founder and senior managing partner for Barth Calderon LLP and is the co-author of the book Planning Today for All Your Tomorrows. He's a nationally recognized speaker on estate, business, and asset protection planning to many incredible organizations across the country, including um, Vistage International, Women's Presidents Organization, Young Presidents Organization, Tiger 21, Quaker Oats, Entrepreneurs Organization, uh, California Society of CPAs, and many more. Harry has over 40 years of experience counseling business owners and their families, corporations, and franchisees nationwide. And he's distinguished himself by being an asset protection advocate. And his workshops have helped thousands of families and businesses protect their assets. They've worked so hard to build. So what I want you to do is grab a pen and a piece of paper, maybe a long notepad. You're going to want to take a lot of notes uh, for this incredible interview. Harry, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be here, Bill. Uh, a little bit about me, so uh, thanks for the great introduction. Uh, all of it true, of course. Uh, one of the <laughs> things that, that people need to know is that, you know, this, this is what we do. This is our world. There are 36 of us uh, professionally uh, working together with one goal in mind, helping people keep uh, the assets that they've worked so, so hard to, uh, to earn. And, you know, it, it's amazing to me when people ask, you know, what is uh, asset protection? You know, you know the, the definition, as I've thought about it, especially during this pandemic, which we'll speak about, uh, I'm sure, in a few minutes, the definition of asset protection is actually quite expansive. When we think of it, you know, it's, it's not just international trust or domestic asset protection trust. When we engage in estate planning, we're protecting assets for the next generation. We are protecting assets away from government confiscation through estate taxation. When we're doing tax planning, it's asset protection planning because we are protecting assets uh, so the government, both the state and or federal government, uh, doesn't take more than they should because that's an attack on our assets as well. When we structure contracts and by sell agreements, we're engaging in asset protection planning. And even when we're engaging in financial planning, Bill, uh, the, the principles of diversification, the principles of risk analysis, well, the same thing. We wouldn't want to lose 30 to 40 percent of our assets, as many people have uh, during the last number of weeks, because uh, they weren't properly diversified. So that's asset protection as well. So in, 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 in a short sentence, asset protection is arranging one's affairs in such a way 
that it's the most protective for family and next generations to come. Yeah, that's a great overview because I think a lot of people think about uh, they think about uh, wills and trusts and wonder, you know, don't I have asset protection there? And of course, you know, you and I know that that's not the case. But then again, uh, when you say you know, asset protection is also about protecting from from tax confiscation. Um, there's a lot to uh, all of this planning, Harry. So how do people uh, generally get started? On, on in a discussion about asset planning, I know you do a lot of speeches, and, and what really drives people to come to you for asset protection planning? Sure, sure. I, I think I think the the most important uh, concern of what drives people is fear, uh, fear of litigation, um, fear of the unknown. And I think in focusing today a little different. Look look at the world that the whole world is in today with the pandemic. We don't need to have me telling everybody or preaching to the choir that the pandemic is creating or will create a significant amount of uncertainty. But uncertainty, uh, whether it be on the labor front, whether it be on the banking front, whether it be on uh, employee front, all the various different components, uh, the, the, the net result of the uncertainty, usually it happened in 08 and 09, this could be even worse, will lead to a tsunami of litigation. You know, sometimes we talk about frivolous litigation. And frivolous litigation, no merit, you know, uh, overly zealous, predatory plaintiffs, trying to make a fast buck. All right. But then there are times, and this I believe is one of them, where the tsunami of litigation has come as a result of no answer. When we don't have statute and we don't have legislation guiding us on, we have business liability, for example, we bring people back to the office and an individual in the office contracts COVID-19 and then the presumption is that they've got it in the office and then they go home and they infect their elderly parent who now passes away. Where, where does the liability lie? Where does it end? We have no answer. We haven't seen anything like this since 1917. So one side will say, well, we're not responsible for this. Uh, this is a pandemic. This is an act of God. Another one would say you're responsible to have as much safety as possible in the workplace, and maybe your safety protocols were not sufficient. So we have two sides, both in dispute. We wind up back in a courtroom in litigation that could be devastating. We don't know whether there'll be punitive damages. We don't know whether or not uh, there'll be special uh, exemplary damages. We just don't know. One thing we do know is that there will be a tsunami of litigation, which also brings us to your question. I want to answer your question that a lot of people, when I or colleagues, when I speak, um, have these urban myths, so to speak, in their head about the level of their protection. They do not understand uh, their uh, vulnerability. And they do believe, as you and I just spoke earlier, that perhaps their living revocable trust is going to provide some modicum of protection over those assets from the claims of a third-party creditor. They will also fire up and that drives you right to our office when they have a potential liability. Now all of a sudden they seek protection when they should be seeking that protection always before the event arrives. It's like someone wants to buy life insurance when they have absolutely horrible health, then they need it and you can't get it. And they also, the other thing that I think that's important and drives people to us is to recognize that 
insurance, uh, property casualty insurance, liability insurance, is just one piece of the puzzle that helps uh, find a place to pay a plaintiff when we have a potential or a real liability. But it's not the know-all, end-all. We can have judgments in excess of insurance. We can have uh, causes of action that are not covered by insurance. A lot of people think the insurance companies are their friends. They also believe that all judgments will be within the insurance policy limits. So I'm not so sure that all of that is going to um, bear out in, in respect of that's why people come when they hear perspective, uh, they want to take a look. And, and the thing that should come about uh, very, very importantly is that uh, at this time, especially, Bill, people need to take an, an asset protection inventory. They need to look at their assets, retirement assets, real estate assets, life insurance assets, business assets, and the way in which they're structured, and do an assessment. See where the vulnerabilities are and see how they can bolster them. It doesn't necessarily have to be a large, uh, overinflated, uh, aggressive asset protection plan. Sometimes it's a simple thing. Let me give you an example. So, for example, under California wage statutes, an owner of a uh, S corporation, C corporation, or LLC that receives compensation in the form of salary and or guaranteed payments, the, 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 that compensation is 75% protected from the claims of creditors. And in California, which so many people do not know, and this is an interesting opportunity for all of us to think about, is that 75% of that compensation that's exempt from the claims of creditors can now be placed into bank accounts, variable annuities, uh, and or other assets, and that's not considered to be avoidable or fraudulent conveyance because if the compensation is exempt from the claims of creditors, where that compensation goes. So one can have a large salary, buy a very large variable annuity, and now that variable annuity is a completely protected asset in California. It didn't involve any trust. It just involved how we take compensation, not in the form of distribution, for example, but take it in this form of wages. And sometimes if we have a business, maybe it's good to have an employment contract to determine what those wages are. So simple things uh, can really have a significant impact all the way up to the most exotic. Harry, I think for the uninitiated, you know, what happens is they, they hear the word trust and they think that, you know, it's kind of like a, a contractor, you know, if you say you want to build a structure, right? And it could be, well, it could be a, an office, it could be an office building, it could be a single family house, a multifamily apartment building, a condo. There's a lot of different structures that a contractor might build. In your business, you're, you're kind of in the financial and legal structure business where all of these, because I've heard you mention over time, maybe 20 different kinds of trusts and they all have different uh, duties. They all have different features. They all have different powers and uh, other things like LLCs, onshore and offshore. And so really understanding how these different structures protect certain types of assets is, is your business. And for our most business owners and people with complex estates, surprised to find out that there are so many potential ways to create protection? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and the other thing, too, you, you hit it right on the head when you say it's like saying uh, a car. 
there are all kinds of cars or motor vehicles, all kinds of motor vehicles. So the word trust for in the in the common usage, most people think of a living, revocable trust. Um, and there are many, many, many different kinds of trust for many, many, many different purposes. A trust is just a form of ownership that was developed under the uh, English common law. And and when you think about what they are and what they can do, they're actually downright uh, miraculous in what can be done. So so when you when you look at the various structures uh, that are available for business people, these are the things that I see. So when I look inside, and again, very important to look inside, that's what I call the acid protection stress test or an analytical process to let us take a peek and find the vulnerabilities. We will see people or businesses building up large cash balances inside the business subject to the claims of employees and or unions. Um, we will see people uh, owning companies in a way in which ownership and control is easily lost if they have a, uh, an asset protection uh, problem. But, you know, you know, I just maybe the, the specifics of each of the hundreds of tools that are available to help are um, important specifically. But here's what I think is some, one of the most important concepts uh, to be aware of. You know, and it's kind of you look at things in the default. Uh, if we don't have walls around the things that are precious to us, we allow the invading enemy to walk right in and take them. By building thick walls and layers, it makes it more difficult. It may, in fact, it may and almost universally results in a better settlement situation in the event we have a legitimate and real problem. So sometimes what asset protection is, is not hiding assets from creditors. It's not, you know, 100% win or loss. It's leveling the playing field so a person like myself or other counsel can be a more effective negotiator to settle a problem at a much more economically and with less emotional and, and economic hardship um, for the person experiencing that. And what I believe, and maybe I'm overly zealous, maybe I'm jaded, maybe it's 40 years, I think we're about to walk into a litigation buzzsaw. And I'm at the point where I think everybody, everybody should have a look-see and to see where they're strong, where they're weak, and what they can do to make it better. They always have the right to accept or reject. But as you're pointing out very carefully, I think one of the important concepts uh, of, the, of the radio show is education. And so many times people reject concepts, ideas, and don't move forward with things that they should do because they don't understand them. So one of the things that distinguishes uh, our firm, I think, is that we spend a lot of time, a lot of time, educating our clients so they can make great executive decisions on what path they wish to follow up through and including no path, but as long as it is a wise decision based upon facts and not based upon prejudice. And so for, for all of this, uh, for our listeners out there who are thinking, you know, this all makes sense, um, how do I get started? You, you mentioned something called an asset protection stress test or audit or yes. it, just kind of yes. setting, setting out, like taking an inventory of what all do you have. 
let's let's see how it's protected now and and then uh, maybe start coming up with some ideas on how we can do better is that where it starts yeah i think i think it starts uh, even easier than that so the first thing that starts is to pick up a phone or send an email uh, to Barth Calderon, and uh, we can send them. It's a one-page test to take that will show their um, risk level in the asset protection arena. Then, uh, based upon that or not based upon that, we'll be providing for everyone who listens to the show anywhere across the country a complimentary consultation with myself, or one of them, as, or as you know, could really, really competent asset protection attorneys. And we'll do that because we think that's a matter of public service, and we think everybody needs to at least understand enough. And then if, 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 if a potential client wishes to go further, which we hope that they do, um, we'll do an asset protection blueprint uh, where we will look at all the assets, all of the liabilities, uh, Look at all their insurance contracts, their current estate plans, retirement plans, by sell agreements. Look at everything and be able to assess what are the next steps they should take and what levels of next steps they should take. And I think that that's a great way to start, and it's a time to start really is now, long before a problem emerges. Okay, so what I heard you say is it starts with a an easy one-page inventory or stress test they can do online Correct. and then a consultation which is free up to that point so so far it's cost them nothing and then you'll create some kind of a blueprint for them to show them look here's here's what we see here's how we think it might be uh, designed and from there um, you you create an assessment and say if you want to get started here's a to z how we're going to do it absolutely Sounds like a simple process. Why, why wouldn't someone be interested in asset protection uh, strategies today, especially with COVID-19 uh, upon us? And as you said, all these potential unknown liabilities facing us, what would, what would stop someone from wanting this kind of, kind of planning, Harry? Well, that's a really, really, really good question that I asked myself over the last 45 years. Um, and we deal with um, human, um, human interaction. And it's the old story that, you know, when you and I get out, we drive a car, we don't expect to get into an accident. Um, it's always the guy or the gal next door. So the couple things that happen. One, uh, people stick their head in the sand. And sometimes it's difficult uh, to look at, uh, potential liabilities. Another reason is uh, a time, a commitment, and a monetary commitment to hire uh, highly competent professionals to map out uh, what's the best strategy. Some people at this plane don't want to spend the money nor spend the time necessary to do that, which I don't understand when we spend all of our lives building assets, spend a little bit of our life putting a wall around them and trying to protect them. You know, you know, and it's funny because people engage in tax planning every year. Uh, they engage in estate planning. My God, the asset protection planning is the is the granddaddy that gets involved all of it. So I think that that's that is some of the reasons why. And I think some people also um, uh, don't believe that asset protection planning is effective. But I think the most important uh, component, 
and we'll repeat this over and over again and hope throughout your audience they'll understand it, is they don't think they have enough assets to justify asset protection planning. And I have one little analogy and a little story. There was a guy who used to shine shoes in Penn Station in New York. Every day he went to work and every day he shined shoes. And he managed over 25 years of shining shoes at the same corner in Penn Station to accumulate about $150,000. And to him, that was his entire life savings and work. May not seem a lot to someone who has a $200 million net worth, but to the shoeshine guy, it was everything he had. And I can assure you, he wants to make sure that it's protected as best it possibly can be. So we don't need to kill a fly with an anvil, but everybody should look at what their vulnerability is and realize that whatever they have needs to be protected. And I think the biggest areas are ignorance, number one, and two, people, which is, I think, a subset of ignorance, people don't think they have enough assets that need to be protected. Simple. You got a house, you have a little bit of equity, you live in California, you have a few bucks in the bank, you got some life insurance, cash values, you got to protect it. And if you own a business, my God, you know, you want to protect the business from inside liability, you want to protect the business if there's a liability to the owner. So uh, I think it's just ignorance. And I think it is uh, values, value-driven and ignorance are the main reasons why people uh, may not move forward. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, maybe, like I said, I'm jaded. I'm, I'm overly zealous. I've just seen so much. Uh, to me, everyone, everyone should turn around and at least take a look-see uh, for free and see what the vulnerabilities are. And then they can elect to decide what to do or do nothing about it and accept the risk. Yeah, one of the things I've heard in the past is that people are afraid that, you know, they're engaging professionals and they they're, they're, they're just are afraid it's going to cost an arm and a leg. And I know one thing I've heard about your firm is that you're very clear about what fees are going to be so that people aren't surprised and they don't get all these add-ons and, all you know, all kinds of things. But, you know, a good friend of mine, Chris Mercer, I think you know Chris, he's a valuation I do. Uh, guru in, in the country. He came up with something a while ago called the 1% solution. And he put it like this. He said, you know, if you buy a mutual fund, let's say you buy a $100,000 mutual fund, you probably pay someone about 1% to manage that. And, and you expect them sure. to, to keep uh, look over everything and maybe make some changes if possible to make it better. He said, you know, but then a business owner will have this huge net worth a huge asset like a business, and they they don't have a budget like that. So he calls it the 1% solution. And there's a lot of things you can do if you consider, you know, 1% of your asset value back into professional services. But I, I've, have, I've heard over and over again, your firm is very clear about what you charge, and, and people aren't surprised on the back end. So uh, I don't know if you want to comment on that or not, but... Um, um, well, yeah. Um... Let me comment on that. I, I think there's a couple of things. I think when uh, people work with professionals, more specifically today, a law firm, I think the experience that they have is very important. Um, we work for them. They don't work for us. We want that experience to be good. We want to have a client that turns to us for counsel for many, many years to come. You don't do that by assessing uh, high, large 
uh, legal fees. You do that by bringing the legal fees uh, into the appropriate spectrum and related to the work that you do. We are not the cheapest firm on the block. We are definitely not the most expensive firm on the block. But what we are is we want to be there year after year, and people should enjoy and realize that they get their money's worth. So years ago, other than in the area of uh, litigation, I made a decision as the owner of the law firm that we were going to make that experience great for clients. And one of those experiences, not to charge for copies, not to charge for telephone calls, you know, that are just a simple question, not to charge for, uh, you know, sharpening a pencil on their behalf, and basically saying, this is what it costs to do this project. We don't care how many hours it takes. We will get this project done for you at that fee. We know what we're getting paid, and you know what you're paying for. And it seems to be a workable, really great solution for clients, and they enjoy working with a law firm that way. We're different than most. Harry, I know you're very busy. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today, and it's been a real pleasure. Uh, for our listeners, you can go to barthattorneys.com, learn all about the team, what they do, how to get in touch, and to uh, take that uh, the asset protection one-page test. It's all there. Uh, get in touch. So thank you very much, Harry. I really appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you, Bill. You take care of yourself and good speaking to you, sir. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 